Hello and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. Today's podcast is a discussion on sleeping disorders, how they present, what kind of coping skills you can use, and more. Joining me in this episode are two members from Work To Be Well's National Student Advisory Council. But first, I want to start out with a reminder that the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Now, I want to get us started also by having each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, and why does the topic of sleep interest you? Uh, I can start. Hello, everyone. My name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm a senior in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this topic is really important to me uh, because even though I know the importance of sleep, I tend to not always uh, prioritize it. And I think that's an important, that's something that a bun- um, many teens can relate with. It's true. Hi, my name is Kiera Coyle. I'm a sophomore at Lake Stevens High School. And it's important to me because I have sleep apnea. And so for those that don't know, pretty much um, I have a struck, so my body just doesn't like air when I'm sleeping. Um, so I wear a CPAP machine. And so it's just important to me to talk about the importance of sleep and like my quality of sleep with my CPAP machine has improved like my mental health based on how much sleep I'm getting now. Well, Kira, you're you're bringing up a really great point that I think would be a great place to start. A lot of people don't know what sleep apnea is. Would you mind sharing about what sleep apnea is and how that impacts your mental health? Yeah, of course. So there's different types of sleep apnea. I have obstruct sleep apnea. Um, So it's actually really uncommon for teenagers to have it. So it's like, yeah, pretty much it's uncommon. Um, And the way that it like kind of works um, from my understanding, it's like a sleep disorder where your breathing repeatedly stops and starts. So like as I'm sleeping, I'm not like consciously telling myself to stop breathing, um, but my body is. And so I'll stop breathing in my sleep, which can wake me up. It can disrupt my sleep abilities and stuff. Um, And so it's also dangerous because you're not breathing while you're sleeping. Um, And so the CPAP machine um, is pretty much the main treatment that most people get with it. And it notices, like, it's a machine that you put over your face. Typically, mine just goes over my nose because I don't breathe with my mouth when I sleep. And it just applies, like, breathing assistance at night um, in an airway pressure machine, which is the CPAP. And with the CPAP, it helps me breathe, which helps my overall sleeping. And to get on topic about the sleep and my mental health, I noticed that for, I have had sleep sleep apnea all my life, but I didn't find out until within the last year and a half. And so, um, yeah, it runs my family. It can be a genetic thing. Sometimes it's not, but my parents, um, my dad has it. And so he helps me a lot with it. But um, now that I'm like actually getting a lot of sleep, I've noticed that my moods improved a lot. And when, like, in order, like, to be getting this much sleep, like, I went from, like, maybe four hours of sleep a night because I'd be waking up nonstop and then going back to sleep, and I didn't even know why. Um, And now that I'm getting, like, I get, like, six to eight hours of sleep a night now with it. Um, 
and it just overhelps my mood and that helps my mental health. Well, and that kind of goes into my next question about how many hours of sleep, you know, you're getting about six to eight, eight hours of sleep. Mohammed, how much sleep are you getting these days? Uh, it depends on the season, whether that be exam season, um, if I'm in a sports season, I have extra homework, but I think my average is probably around six hours. So question to both of you, are you happy with that amount? Do you feel like that's enough? No, <laughs> I need more, but um, I, I wish I could get more, but it's, I think it's hard, uh, especially for students uh, in high school and in college to find the right balance between getting more sleep and completing all their work. Yeah, same with Mojave. During like exams or finals, my sleep schedule is not the best. And so I think most high school students and also college can relate to that with school. And also a lot of people have jobs too. Um, so that like, I know some of my friends, they have like night shifts because they go to school during the day. Mm -hmm. And like one of my friends, she got off of work at like 1230 a.m. last night. And so and then she woke up for a thing this morning like really early. I can't remember what time it was, but I know she like gets very little sleep because of it. And that doesn't even talk about how she still has homework and other responsibilities. Sleep's a rough one. And people talk a lot about having a, a bedtime routine, you know, when you get ready to go to sleep at night and some people's routines facilitate being able to sleep and some people's routines do not. What's your bedtime routine? I wish I could say I had a healthy one, um, turn off all electronics, all lights, like an hour beforehand. But in reality, most cases, I'm just so tired. I just want to like catch up on social media. So I do that. And then that makes me pretty tired. Um, it might, it, I know it doesn't for a lot of other people, but for me, it seems to work. So I just fall asleep quickly after that. Nice. I wish I had more of a like actual routine. I have a few things I always try and do, but it's never in like a particular order. I'll sometimes like take a shower or I usually have my, like my dog sleeps in my room with me. Um, so I always get him like a snack or something and bring like a toy with him because he's a very high energy dog. Um, and then other stuff is like brush my teeth, brush my hair, do my skincare, stuff like that. Um, but sometimes if I don't like stick to my routine, it's hard to fall asleep one time at least for me. Um, so like I have to start it at a certain time. Otherwise it's like harder for me to fall asleep. That's a really, really, really good point about that starting. Is it like half an hour, hour before you go to bed? When do you like, how long does it take for you to wind down? Yeah. Wind down is like a good way to ex explain it. Like a decompressing time for me. Like mm -hmm. I try and not go on my electronics during that time. Or like I'll like play music in the background, like some calming or like um, my music class, I'm music appreciation. And we have like a listening list in that class. And so usually it's like some classical music. So I'll put on some like classical to wind down. Um, and usually it can take, um, depending like how long my routine is going to be that night, usually around like 30 minutes. Wow. Muhammad, how long does it take you to wind down? I think probably in the same range of 30 minutes. I know sometimes I like to do meditation or use the Calm app or just meditations on YouTube just to help focus on breathing, especially if my mind's racing. Um, 
and especially focusing on your body and your awareness. I know that's something that I recently did on I recently did on my uh, swim team before a big meet, and I actually fell asleep on deck because we did it. So I, it definitely works. That's that's awesome. Now I know for a lot of people, uh, they have alarms or things that wake them up in the morning. Um, I know some people struggle with their morning routine. What, how do you wake up in the morning? Do you use one of those fancy clocks that like all of a sudden brings the light of day into your room and starts you out with soft music or, or do you have one of those alarm clocks that actually falls off the table and runs around the room? So you physically have to get out of bed and go get it. What's your morning routine like? Those right away clocks scare me. First of all, I would be worried that my half asleep self would get my toe run over. Um, but for my morning routine, I have about 50 alarms almost like that's not even exaggerating. I have my main alarm clock that wakes me up and then I'm very tired in the morning. I'm not a morning person. So then I'll hit snooze about 15 times. And then my phone has like, I keep it on the other side of the room. So I still have to actually get up to turn it off. Um, same with my alarm clock. It's on the opposite end of the room. So at least I'm getting up and moving kind of like the runaway alarm clock, except my feet are safe. Um, and so I definitely don't have the best when it comes to morning routines. It just takes me a while to get up and have like an alarm for everything to remind me to get everything done on time. Yeah, I'm definitely prone to snoozing in the morning too. I'm more of a night owl myself, uh, but I actually do sometimes put my phone across the room when I know that I have to wake up in a timely manner and I can't snooze at all. I put my phone across across on the other side of the room. So I actually have to get up and wake myself up and do it. <laughs> I'm glad to see things have not changed. Um, so let's say that for some reason you decided you wanted to aspirationally set a better sleep schedule for yourself as a high school student. How do you think you might go about it if you were to prioritize that? Well, I know I see one thing um, about like room temperature, um, trying to focus on that more especially in the changing seasons, like March is like an in-between season, especially on the East Coast, like some days it's really cold, some days it can get hot. So just trying to adapt to those situations because I prefer to sleep a little bit cooler, um, so maybe letting in air on hotter days, um, turning up the heat on cooler days, things like that. And then also, I, I don't know when I'll be able to do it, but I'm aiming to reduce my use of electronics before sleep because I know the research on like blue light and how that affects your eyes, your brain, all of that. I believe it, I do, but I just, right now it's it's hard to do. So I'm working on it. Choices, choices. <laughs> Kiara, how about you? I was, I, like Mohammed was saying, I think it's really important to have like a good sleep environment, not just a routine, like making sure that you're comfortable so it's easier for you to fall asleep, like Mohammed with the temperature. For me, I need like 50 different blankets because I like the weight of them and then I keep my room really cold. And so it's just easier for me to fall asleep that way. I always have like water next to me too. Um, and then other stuff like that. But to, like to add on, but like with the sleep routine, I think it's important to prioritize sleep. And sometimes it's hard as high school students with like homework and like also work, like I said earlier. So trying to make sure that you have a routine for your homework or something like that. Like I'll do this and this and this time. I'll work 40 minutes on my math homework, something like that to help keep you on track before you even get ready for bed might be able to help. You know, it's interesting because I think society doesn't really prioritize sleep. Um, we have a lot of messaging that goes out that, that you know, 
sometimes it even idolizes the idea that, oh, I can make it on five hours of sleep. You know, I only sleep four hours of sleep a night. You know, that's all I need. Seems almost like sleep is a is a decadent privilege. Why do you think society doesn't view sleep as important? I think for one thing, it's correlated with laziness and inefficiency, especially with high school students not being able to get in more studying time, more time for homework, extracurriculars. And that relates to the more pressures we have as high school students to excel in every aspect of our lives, get into the best colleges. So all that pressure um, makes us feel like we need to sacrifice sleep because that's the first thing to go in order to stretch out that our evening hours and have more time to complete everything that we need to do in a day. And especially on the grind side of social media, uh, you see influencers getting up at like 4.30 in the morning and then going to sleep at like 12. And that's the idolized uh, nature, as you mentioned. And many uh, teenagers want to emulate that and follow suit. I completely agree with Muhammad on that. Um, we've just always been, as like high school students, we've always been told that like sleep isn't as, like we were always told that like get your eight hours of sleep, but how likely am I going to be going to bed? If I have to wake up at 5 a.m. for school, am I going to be going to bed like several, like at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock? Like the likelihood of me being able to finish all my stuff is usually very difficult. And so we've always been like, ever since I was little, at least, I'd always like try and push things back a little bit farther. I So I could just get one more thing done, one more thing done. And then now it's much harder for me to keep a routine sometimes because of that. Yeah. And, and that's probably where for some people who maybe, uh, I know, Kara, you were talking earlier about having a genetic sleep disorder, for many people, sleep disorders are something that is behavioral. It's something that they learn. What, how did you know, what are some of those common signs of a sleep disorder that let you know that maybe you need to be talking to your provider? And I know you talked about the genetic risk factors. I think those are super important, but are there other risk factors we need to be aware of? I mean, for some parts of like, for at least with my diagnosis with sleep apnea, I had to, uh, like, I like say I was camping or something, and my parents could tell that I was snoring, but I didn't have that side effect. However, my dad does for his sleep apnea. He's a very loud snorer. Um, sometimes people with sleep apnea awake with like just a really dry mouth. They have always a morning headache. Sometimes they always think that they just have insomnia. Like I still have insomnia. Um, but like, that's why I was always so concerned because I'm getting like, I'm waking up all of the time. So I went to my doctor and I'm like, hi, I'm like having a really hard time staying asleep. And he's like, oh, you just have insomnia. Try some melatonin. So I had melatonin and nothing would ever help. So then I asked again and then they're like, okay, is there like, is there a history of sleep apnea in your family? I'm like, yeah, it's on my dad and my mom's side. And so, um, I ended up, they ended up scheduling like this sleep watching thing. And so I was hooked up to tons of wires <laughs> and I had to sleep in the hospital overnight. And like, they had this weird thing in front of my face. I was like measuring how much air was coming out. And I ended up um, about a week later after that, they had the doctor look over everything. I got diagnosed with sleep apnea and it wasn't like tons of different symptoms that like some people like they are gasping for air when they wake up. Um, sometimes they exercise like super like daytime sleepiness. Um, sometimes they even have nightmares and just sleep deprivation. There's episodes of no breathing. Um, and then there's also some other, like, not as common, but sometimes people have depression. 
dry mouth, a dry throat, fatigue, headaches, um, mood swings. You can even have weight gain. Um, and another that I remember them telling me is like irritability. Like there are a bunch of different symptoms, but people don't always relate them to a sleep disorder, especially like the depression. Some people wouldn't relate that to a sleep disorder. Um, so for me, I like it just helped having someone in my family that knew what some of the symptoms were and I was able to get help. Yeah, I think it's dependable on a person by person basis and their environment, genetics, all these factors play into it. But I think if you identify trouble with sleeping um, for a consistent extended period of time and you've adjusted your sleep schedule, you've looked at what's been wrong and still it seems to be that uh, you're struggling to sleep, you're awake most hours of the night. Um, I think that's when it may be necessary to consult your parents, consult a specialist in this field to see if there is an underlying cause. So when you think about, you know, nights when you haven't gotten a good night of sleep, what's that do for you? How does it impact your day if you don't get a good night of sleep? I feel like I'm in 0.5 speed a lot of the time. Uh, I think that's a good way to describe it for many people after short after a short night of sleep um everything's kind of in slow motion uh you feel sluggish lethargic um irritable is easy it relates to me i know i can become irritable prone um when i don't sleep enough and just mood swings too i think that's another big one I mean, for me, if it's like on a school night or something, I'm definitely not ready to pay attention in my math class first thing in the morning or chemistry. Um, and so it affects like my school day too. I mean, I'm also like mildly more irritable, my mood swings. Um, so I'm not always the most pleasant person to be around when I haven't gotten a good night to sleep. And with school, it's just hard for me to focus. And if it's hard for me to focus, I could say I had a test that day and I was up way too late studying. Um, then typically it reflects in my test score because I'm just tired. You know, there is that theory that if you study in the evening and then you sleep on that, you know, there are some people who will say, oh, I'm going to cram all night long and, and that's what's going to make it fresh. But there's also evidence that shows that if you study and then you sleep, you'll remember more. Do you find that to be true? I think so on a general basis, um, especially if it's like you're consistently trying to stay up every single night um, to try and study, it's going to like have more harmful impacts overall. Um, so, yeah, but I think definitely if you sleep more uh, on cons consistent amount, especially during exam season, I find myself able to remember more and do better on these tests. I know that I can't remember where I heard it, but like when you're sleeping, that's when your brain is like putting everything in its little files for the day. So when you are getting a lot more sleep, you have an improved amount of memory, which is definitely helpful during final season. Um, so that's why I think we should really prioritize our sleep, not just for other reasons, but it helps our memory as well, which can impact our overall life. So if we get enough sleep, we get better memory, we get better mood, we get better, all kinds of different things happen for us if we get better sleep. And I bet we get better athletic performance as well. Um, what kind of coping mechanisms do you use to help yourself fall asleep? What kind of things like are your kind of go-to? I know for me, um, I have a little meditation routine that I think about uh, that kind of lets my mind float to 
a happy beach and I can hear the sound of the waves in my head. And that's one of the ways that I fall asleep that I, when I'm struggling to fall asleep that I use, what are some of the coping mechanisms you use? I mean, are there apps that can help you fall asleep? I mentioned I use the Calm app and it's corresponding videos on YouTube a lot. And my favorite exercise, something that we've done on work to be well actually before is like how you're lying down and you're just being aware of your entire body, your fingers from head to toe, every single muscle group, and just relaxing as you go down. I, th I think that's been very beneficial for me, especially during my athletic season. It's called a body scan. Yeah. Uh, it's been very beneficial for my athletic season too, in preparation for like competitions, big meets, etc. So I actually have anxiety and it's like very difficult for me to do a type of meditation. Um, even though my mother will try her hardest because um, she's very much for her. She loves doing like a meditation, fall asleep, um, making sure her heart and her breathing is the same. And that helps her a lot. She also really likes white noise. So for me, that unfortunately does not work. Um, so like sometimes um, that's something that does help with my anxiety when I'm trying to fall asleep is like drawing or something like I by far am not an artist. But just like doing some like doodles in my notebook, just like breathing with my like as I'm drawing and stuff, that helps me a lot. Well, you know, it's funny that that you bring up the Calm app and some of those types of things like white noise. Some people sleep a whole lot better when they've got maybe the sound of falling rain in the background or white noise or some of the other things that are available on the Calm app. Do either of you use uh, things like that to help fall asleep and to help reduce distractions? Yeah, I've used a couple of them before. I think they do work, but I think the best thing for me has been the body scan and then the meditation exercises. Yeah, sometimes I'll have like, for me, I don't like the actual like white noise machines, but I always have like my my ceiling fan going. Um, and it can't be just like any fan, it has to be my ceiling fan because I'm like used to that sound. <laughs> and so whether it's super hot or it's freezing cold, my fan will always be going on my ceiling. Oh, yes. Uh, my kids are very much addicted to their fans. Uh, they both have a different fan, and, and that's something that's very important for them to help them sleep. And it's that consistency of, of sound that I think is really something that, that helps. Um, are there any other tools or resources that you think about? I mean, things like, uh, I know you both talked about wanting to have like a colder room, but Kiara, you talked about having heavy blankets. I know weighted blankets have been a thing for people. What about pillows? Are pillows important? Do these things really matter? I have a memory foam pillow, which helps with my neck when I'm sleeping. So I also wake up better with my, because I have like neck pain and stuff. And so that helps me at least. I know some of my friends that have like stuffed animals too, that they just like, it helps them, makes them feel comforted. Sometimes they just like laying on their stuffed animal, like those giant squishmallow things. Um, and so I know sometimes that helps people or they have like a particular pillow that they like to use. I'm kind of particular about my pillows. I always use three and then I bear hug one of them. That helps me fall asleep. And I think that just relates to the position people use uh, when they sleep, body position, which side they're sleeping on or if they're on their back or stomach and like their head alignment with pillows as well. Yeah, those are super duper important things because I think all... All of us have our unique ways that we sleep and the things that allow us to feel comfortable enough to fall asleep. 
I think one of the, uh, you know, issues and Kiara, you have talked a lot about, about what you did when you figured out that you really needed to deal with your sleep disorder. You talked to your doctor, you talked to your family. Um, what are some of the other indicators that might say, Hey, you know, I do need to talk to somebody and where do you go? So like I said, for me, I just talked to my family because I knew they had sleep problems. And obviously, I don't want to like recommend it, but Google is like a useful tool for some people. Like, obviously, you should not give yourself a diagnosis via Google. Um, but like for me, and I know other my friends too, they'll like search up like a couple symptoms like, hey, I'm having trouble sleeping and say their symptoms are different than mine. Um, and then they still might have sleep apnea, but it's unique to everyone. And so I just recommend that if you're having sleep problems to talk to your primary care provider and they can sometimes even refer you to like a sleep specialist, which is what I saw for mine. Yeah, and a lot of these professionals offer online services, questionnaires, uh, things of that nature to help you self-identify as well, but also it's more accessible and effective to have um, conversations with them or contact them online. So you can definitely reach out to them if you are experiencing uh, these problems. Well, and I do think it's important for everybody to recognize and realize that sleep really does impact your mental health. Um, this is one of the most basic things, sleeping, hydration, eating, all of those types of things. Um, we were doing a presentation from uh, the self-care modules, uh, and it talked about one of the things in self-care is sleep. And the reality is sleep isn't self-care. Sleep isn't essential. Naps are probably more like self-care, but sleep is something that is actually essential, as essential as drinking water, as, as eating food, and all of the other things that we do to take care of ourselves. And if we look at that as, you know, one of the things that, that has to be part of that essential package of who we are, um, how we supplement that and make it better um, and, and really pay attention to it as a true health issue becomes really important. And that does lead me to another question that I had for both of you. What do you feel about naps? How do you feel about naps? Does that disrupt your sleep? Does it help? What do you think? Again, it depends on the time period, uh, especially during school, sports season. But I think they help, especially a lot of times when I'm tired um, and I can't focus like right after school and I need to do homework or something like a quick 30 minute power nap uh, can work wonders. And it also depends on the length of the nap. Like if you sleep, if you nap till like 2 a.m., um, that might cause some issues. But if it's like 30 minute, one hour one, it can actually be beneficial, especially around the times of like two to three, because there's research around how like your overall energy levels dip in that time. So boosting them back up can make you more efficient throughout the day. I didn't know that about the two or three thing. That's actually pretty cool. Um, but I personally, like Muhammad, I think naps can be beneficial if you're using them in the right way. If I take, like, if I get home and I'm like, okay, I'll just fall asleep for 30 minutes and then I end up staying asleep for like an hour and a half, it definitely disrupts my sleep because that's just like as if I was sleeping an hour and a half for me. And so it's just harder for me to fall asleep later because I just have more energy. But like a 30 minute power nap after school, I personally like to do because it just, like it refreshes me after seven hours with people and then getting started on my homework. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're both devotees of the power nap because I do think that those are really good ways to engage in self-care. And there's a lot of research around the power of napping 
there's a lot of other countries that uh, actually make it possible for employees to, to nap on the job. And they find that they're far more productive if they take a quick nap and then get right back into it, especially if you're doing things that are routine and mundane tasks that can be exhausting, to be perfectly honest. And I think that's an important thing to recognize about yourself. I think it's also important to think about that if you're engaged in, in athletics and how you care for your body and give your body time to recover. Any last thoughts that you have on sleep that you want to leave with our audience today? Any advice for uh, our sleepers, your fellow sleepers out there? Uh, you can always do better at improving your sleep. Um, I know I'm guilty of not doing the best with it, but there's always room for improvement. And it is highly essential um, to overall well-being, functioning, uh, efficiency. I find that when I get more sleep uh, on days, ironically, when I have less work, I end up having more energy throughout the day. I would just recommend truly trying to prior prioritize your sleep um, and finding ways that help you um, fall asleep, stay asleep, and just overall have a better like sleep experience. Well, Mohammed and Kara, I want to thank you both for joining me today on Talk To Be Well and holding space for this important conversation on sleep and sharing your own personal experiences, suggestions, and recommendations. If you are looking for support with your sleep or with your mental health or any other medical questions you may have, please visit us at providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, Check us out at worktobewell.org. We've got a lot of helpful meditations. You can find the body scan there in our Work To Be Well website. You can find all kinds of different things that can help you with your sleep. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. This has been Talk To Be Well. Thank you all and be well. <laughs>